Welcome everyone to Dr. John Bedker's Leadership Podcast, the podcast focused on leadership. The episode will begin shortly. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome everyone. Happy New Year. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season. My name is John Bedker and I am your host for the Dr. John Bedker Leadership Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Today I'm going to speak of a major company in the United States, the Boeing Company, an iconic American name and an iconic American brand. Years ago, the saying went, if it ain't Boeing, I ain't going. Boeing's roots and history are grounded in well-deserved pride and credibility. Boeing was an airplane, aerospace, and defense production leader. Today, Boeing is a company divided into four divisions. The Boeing Commercial Airplane, BCA, Boeing Defense, Space, and Security, BDS, Boeing Global Services, and Boeing Capital. Boeing is a very large company, over $62 billion dollars in sales in 2021. Founded by Bill Boeing in 1916 in Seattle, Washington, today Boeing corporate headquarters are in Chicago, Illinois. There are plans now to move again for Boeing corporate headquarters to move to Arlington, Virginia. In 2020, a periodical, a magazine called Quartz. It's a magazine focused on international business. Reported that the merger between McDonnell Douglas and Boeing was, and I quote, a clash of cultures, end quote. Boeing engineers and the McDonnell Douglas, I quote again, bean counters, went head to head. It was McDonnell Douglas bean counters that carried the day. Quartz proposes that this focus on profits, bean counting, over engineering may have contributed to the 737 crash crises. An icon of American manufacturing, a tangible example of American innovation, a company whose Tentacles impact hundreds of thousands of workers has lost its way. Let me be clear, not the workers, rather its leadership. Oftentimes, corporations going through an experience like this tend to focus on the workers and labor rather than themselves. This is a clear example, not the workers, but its leadership. The focus of this podcast is to explore that simple question, why? When companies require both a large amount of human capital and physical capital, there's a very real challenge for leaders. When you need a large number of people and a large amount of money, leaders cannot, and I will argue must not, subordinate one to the other. To do so ensures failure. This is the story 
of Boeing today. How did Boeing get there? Well, I'm going to start by reading an article, it's a short article, by Lauren Thompson from May of 2019. Lauren Thompson is a senior contributor to aerospace and defense. While this article, somewhat dated, it provides a historical framework for leaders to understand the challenges for Boeing leaders today. Here's the article from Lauren Thompson. How Boeing got here. It's not the story you have been hearing lately. And again, from Lauren Thompson, a senior contributor to aerospace and defense. This year marks the 85th anniversary of that day in 1934, when Bill Boeing, the founder of the company, resigned from the aviation enterprise he founded only 18 years earlier. Congress decided companies shouldn't be allowed to both build and operate commercial planes. So the government moved to break up the business. Boeing decided that he'd had enough and departed aviation forever. Coming as it did in the depths of the Great Depression, the breakup and loss of its founder was a major blow to the company. Its leader was gone. But it wouldn't be the last by a long shot. For instance, there was that time during the Nixon administration when demand for jetliners collapsed. Boeing's commercial airplane unit saw its workforce shrink from 83,700 to 20,750 in just three years. So today's crisis surrounding the 737 jetliner is far from unprecedented for the world's biggest aerospace company. Building airplanes has always been a turbulent, challenging business. What stands out about Boeing is not how challenged it has been, but how successful. It's the first aerospace enterprise in history to reach $100 billion in annual sales. And it is frequently ranked as one of the world's most admired companies. However, nobody is thinking about those achievements at the moment, either inside the company or outside. The torture of dealing with two tragic accidents has inspired a somber cast to everything. Employees cry in meetings. When they take their kids to soccer, they have to fend off questions from other parents about what went wrong. And they can't relate what little they know because management wants them to remain mum until all the facts come out. It is not a good time. Given the drumbeat of negative media coverage, it's easy to lose sight of how Boeing got to this point. It didn't survive for a century in an unforgiving marketplace by cutting corners or offering mediocre products. It succeeded by repeatedly disrupting the competitive landscape with novel products that competitors could not match. 
not just once or twice, but repeatedly throughout its history. Here's a little perspective on what Boeing has meant for America. Boeing is the greatest innovator in aerospace history. It has over 13,000 patents to prove it. Boeing built the first commercially successful jetliner, the Boeing 707. The first jetliner to surpass 1,000 sales, the Boeing 727. The first jetliner to surpass 10,000 sales, the Boeing 737. The first wide-body jetliner, the 747. The first jetliner developed entirely on composite computers, the Boeing 777 and the first jetliner to be assembled mainly from composite materials, the 787. Let me just restate that quickly to make sure that I am clear with all of you. The first wide-body jetliner, the Boeing 747, the first jetliner developed entirely on computers, the Boeing 777, and the first jetliner to be assembled mainly from composite materials, the Boeing 787. And that's just on the commercial aircraft side. Various corporate antecedents now assimilated into the Boeing culture built the first geosynchronous communication satellite, the first GPS satellites, the Apollo spacecraft, and the space shuttle. Boeing also developed the nation's only fully successful ICBM, the Minuteman. Boeing is the survivor of brutal market forces. Dozens of companies have sought to compete with Boeing over the years, and they are almost all gone now. Boeing survived constant competitive assaults in the world's most demanding regulatory environment by continuously innovating and exhibiting extreme discipline in its management practices. The same cannot be said for Airbus, its main competitor in the commercial transport business. The World Trade Organization has ruled that every plane Airbus ever brought to market was illegally subsidized and that the company might not exist at all in the absence of 40 years of unfair launch aid from European governments. So you could say Boeing is a market survivor, whereas Airbus is a market distortion. Boeing is the biggest contributor to U.S. trade competitiveness. It isn't just the nation's biggest exporter at a time when the U.S. trade balance in many tech categories has turned decidedly negative. Boeing is the main reason America's aerospace trade continues to generate big surpluses every year. Even though Boeing generates 80% of its commercial aircraft sales outside the United States, 80% of its suppliers are located within U.S. borders. Boeing builds every one of its planes, both military and commercial, in America. There aren't many manufacturing enterprises in the U.S. that can say they build all of their signature products here, even though the products are often destined for foreign markets. Well, keep in mind that this article is a little over three years old, and 
some of those items I've just read may not be completely accurate today. So, <clears throat> the lessons for each of us in our leadership journeys. What can leaders glean from this? Well, let's look at the story of leadership in the current time frame for Boeing. So that article was some over three years old. Now we'll take a look at a more current view. This is an opinion piece from Aviation Week. Title is The National Security Implications of Boeing's Woes. It's written by Richard Apolafia and it's written in December 13th, 2022. So quite current. Here's the article. Boeing is misfiring on several cylinders. Its third quarter results included resurgent charges on key defense programs, bringing Boeing defense and space BDS program losses to $11.5 billion since 2014. There is a strong likelihood of additional BDS overruns and delays. Worse, CEO Dave Calhoun announced that Boeing will not launch a new commercial jetliner until the next decade, guaranteeing further serious market share losses to Airbus and gravely endangering Boeing's ability to design a new jet. None of this is good for investors, and the company's stock has underperformed its peers by a wide margin over the past 12 months. It's also not good for the long-term health of the U.S. aerospace industry, the broader U.S. economy, or the aerospace workforce. But one overlooked consequence of Boeing's woes is the possible impact on U.S. defense. Three areas of concern. First, BDF execution problems mean that the U.S. military services will have to keep using older, less reliable systems that are costly to operate. With a KC-46 and T-7 delays, and the oldest KC-135 tankers and T-38 trainers, will soldier on well past 60 years of age. Pentagon efforts to procure interim or supplemental systems, an Air Force Navy trainer or the Air Force's KCY tanker, are uncertain. Other antiquated platforms slated for replacement by Boeing aircraft, such as an Air Force UH-1 helicopter, or the VC-28-5A Air Force One also need to wait for their delayed successors. Second, an industrial base decision might have been made for the Pentagon, whether it wants one or not. BDS losses reflect low bids on relatively low-tech programs. It's not clear whether Boeing can hope to bid on new programs 
that require more advanced engineering, particularly if past performance is a key selection factor. Defense Department annoyance about these delayed aircraft could disadvantage Boeing in future contests. Boeing could also be disadvantaged by Pentagon concerns about the company's in-house design capabilities. Boeing's 2015 long-range strike bomber loss to Northrop Grumman in part reflected Air Force concerns about Boeing's strategy of relying on Lockheed Martin for much of the design work. Relying on Saab for much of the T-7 design may be viewed as a risky tactic too. Boeing, Lockheed Martin, future long-range assault aircraft loss might also imply weakness in Boeing's approach to joint bids. The Air Force's next generation air dominance program looms large. If it excludes Boeing, and if the Navy's FAXX either stalls or excludes Boeing, we can assume there are now two competitors for new fixed-wing military contracts, not three. The Defense Department does not want less competition for future programs and has signaled opposition to mergers resulting in that outcome, but it might have to live with what that reality turns out to be anyway. Finally, the nation's ability to design large aircraft must be considered. The C-17 fleet is wearing out at a rate faster than expected, and the C-5M is getting quite old. Given the relevance of strategic airlifters for operations in the Pacific, the Pentagon will need to start funding a new program sometime in the next 10 years. Yet, wide-body jets have some of the highest entry barriers of any product. Only two countries, the U.S. and the Soviet Union, build their own twin-aisle jets or strategic airlifters. European countries were only able to build these when they abandoned national dreams and pooled resources to create Airbus. Even in the U.S., only Boeing, McDonnell Douglas, and Lockheed built a wide body. Lockheed finished the C-5 and the L-1011 production in the 1980s. It would be a very difficult path to recreate that capability. Thus, it's down to Boeing, which last launched an all-new transport in 2004. While the 777-X is a major derivative, it is not a clean-sheet design. Calhoun's new jetliner deferral means Boeing design teams will not hire new talent, resulting in smaller numbers and a much older demographic by the 2030s. We cannot rule out mass layoffs of these engineers either. So Boeing's at risk of entering a phase that McDonnell Douglas was in some years ago, where their aircraft design teams begin to atrophy. 
If Boeing stays on this course, do the decisions by leadership remain similar? There is a strong risk that Boeing might not be up to the job. The only company in the world that could take its place, ironically, might be Airbus. So, the lessons again for each of us in our leadership journeys are several. This once proud, iconic manufacturer brand has chosen economics over safety of the management of fiscal capital over human capital. And as I said in the beginning, this is a recipe not for success. So the lessons for each of us in our leadership journeys are several. Let me just focus on a few. First, as I've tried to make this point throughout this podcast, it is process, not outcome, that leaders must, not can, not should, must be focused. Always but particularly in enterprises that are both capital-intensive and worker-intensive. Two, leaders err when they allow economics to overrule safety, a point I hope I've made abundantly clear. Certainly the two crashes of the Boeing 737 MAX make that abundantly clear. Remember, it is process over outcome that is the path for leadership success. If you take care of the people and manage processes with a standard of excellence, profits will follow. Never forget the heart and soul of leadership. I've mentioned this many times. Leadership is fundamentally and appropriately about doing the right thing. The third point I'd like to make is rather a blatant one. Seems simple and straightforward, but apparently not. Separating workers from management and leaders is a bad idea. I'm reminded of my time in the military, flying for the airline, and leading my consulting firm. The idea of being captain of the ship, but not being on board, is clearly not right. For an airline captain to not be on the flight seems just incredibly wrong. So why would a company with a long and rich tradition in Seattle and Washington State move its leadership to Chicago to proceed from a manufacturer of the world's most excellent aircraft with organized union labor in the state of Washington to building their newest model the Boeing 787 Dreamliner in South Carolina with ununionized labor. 
It was and remains a workplace and economic outcome based mess. From a long history of excellence to absentee leadership presence is simply wrong. You could have facilities, vendors, contributors, contractors of many types all over the world, but the leaders need to be at the heart of the business. Leaders need physical proximity to the enterprise they are paid to lead. Boeing is a great company, but a company that has lost its way. Not its workers, let me be very, very clear about that, but its leaders have lost their way. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Today's podcast is about a very large company, but a story that has applications, I am certain, to many of you. Manage process, not outcomes. That is the path to excellence, the path to profits, and a product or service, whatever your business is about, that you can be proud of. Respect your unionized labor. Have collectivism for excellence guide your processes. This is the recipe for excellence in product and service and economic success. So thank you all so much for tuning in today. I hope you all had a happy new year. We'll speak again soon. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Dr. John Bedker's Leadership Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please tell your friends and, of course, please follow our podcast and subscribe. Thank you again for tuning in.